0: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The Iron Dome has intercepted at least uh, eight missiles or barrages of missiles that have been fired from Hamas. So doing the math there, more than one an hour here. Some of that has been hitting the so-called Gaza envelope, which is along the Israel-Gaza border. But it has gone as north as Jerusalem here. Um, And here from Israel into Gaza, we have been uh, seeing the Israel Defense Forces continuing its assault by land uh, and by air. So what they're calling the second phase is underway in Gaza. All the talk over the weekend on your Sunday talk shows, also in editorials in the newspapers, are all about how do we stop Israel from killing too many people? How do we stop Israel from going too far? No talk really of how do you wipe out Hamas so they don't murder people again? Uh, all of the talk on the other side. And I just, I just feel like Israel's being presented with uh, uh, a modern conundrum that has never existed in the history of the world and been successfully done. So I don't know what they're going to do. Well, before we plunge on with that conversation, which is a good
3: one, let's introduce Dr. Jeff McCausland, CBS News military consultant, uh, decorated veteran of the United States Army. Uh, Jeff, how are you, sir?
4: Very well, guys. Good to be with you.
3: So, while that Jack's introduction sounded a little like media criticism, and there's an element to it there, there is no question that international support, American support, world opinion is a factor in all this, and Israel has a real conundrum.
4: No, it certainly does. I mean, they're conducting warfare in the traditional three domains, air, land, and sea, isolating the battlefield, now going to a second phase. But the important domain may be information information war. And it certainly seems Israel is not doing terribly well, as it does appear the global community is turning against Israel and the conduct of their operations as the number of Palestinians killed and wounded climbs. And there are reports that as many as 8,000 go- <coughs> citizens of Gaza have been killed since this fighting began, and, and over 20,000 have been injured. But from the onset, of course, there was this popular revulsion around the world to the heinous attacks by Hamas that had killed 1,200 israelis 200 youngsters at a music festival elderly people and babies but now as the war has gone on for several weeks and that continues that does seem to be what's turning against israel to come back to you know is there a a comparison historically the one i would think of frankly is uh isis you know isis uh, threatened the same kind of barbaric action and conducted that in iraq and we basically determined we the world community that this particular group had to be extinguished and brought together a coalition of countries to do that. U.S. forces are still in Iraq and Syria to this very day, to the tune of about 3,000 to 3,500 for that mission, and many have been struck by attacks from Shiite militia groups supported by Iran as this war in the Gaza Strip has commenced.
2: So if Hamas is going to you know, put their headquarters under a hospital or surround themselves with uh, civilians. I I don't, what is Israel supposed to do? Say, I guess you win, you won, you came up with a clever strategy. So, I mean, I I honestly don't know what they're supposed to do.
4: No, you're exactly right. It is a terrible conundrum. I think what they frankly need to do, however, is do more in terms of showing some effort to provide humanitarian assistance to the Gaza Strip uh, the last 24 hours we've seen about 33 trucks arrive in the Gaza strip that's about a fraction of the humanitarian assistance that people from the World Health Organization the UN uh seems to believe is required so i think if if in fact israel would had a more aggressive act, effort to provide humanitarian assistance particularly in the southern part of the Gaza strip where they have actually urged the citizens of Gaza to flee to, that might also reduce this turn against public opinion against Israel, and also hopefully dampen down what worries me an awful lot, and that is this war widening across the region. In the last 24 hours, Israel struck uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon. They've struck targets in Syria. Those in the aftermath of strikes coming from those directions as well, Oh, by the way, and U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria have been struck once again. So the real concern to me is if we can't uh, dampen down this effort towards a widening conflict, then things which are really bad right now could actually get a
3: lot worse. It's an excellent point. The information war is not merely an information war. It could turn into a kinetic one. But uh, speaking of that sort of thing, if you were uh, involved in the Israeli military, you're helping plan the cleansing of Hamas without a humanitarian nightmare. Uh, how serious is that logistical challenge as the ground troops move into Gaza?
4: Well, look at it this way. There's 13,000 people per square mile in Gaza, one of the most densely populated areas on the planet Earth. Consider try you would conduct combat operations in central Manhattan. You know, I was in Fallujah, a city of about 250,000 that we went into in late 2004 to destroy a terrorist group in that particular city. About 80 to 90 percent of the people of Fallujah had left by the time we moved in. It took us six weeks. About 100 Americans were killed. And about 500 were wounded. I remember going through the streets of Fallujah with my security detachment. And every building had two big X's on it. Why two X's? That meant every room, every closet, every basement had been searched twice. And that's exactly what Israel is going to have to do in the Gaza Strip. The other big difference was in Fallujah, there was no building, I remember, except for a mosque, perhaps, that had over three stories. Look at the film. Look at the multi-story buildings in in Gaza. And imagine you're going to go through every room, every apartment, every uh, closet, every basement, and at the same time be worried about the fact that there are 300 miles, perhaps, of tunnels under the Gaza Strip that can afford Hamas the opportunity to flee out through those tunnels or come through those tunnels, come up behind you, as well as storing large portions of weapons, ammo, explosives in those areas to conduct the fight.
2: Well, the topic of the news cycle is what we've been discussing this new phase of the Uh, Israel taking on um, Hamas in Gaza, but the the news cycle on Friday, and uh, I want to ask you your opinion on this, was all about, have we responded enough to Iran? They hit us so many different military bases, injured so many people, and then we kind of struck them? Do you feel like we've done enough to deter them, or is there more to come?
4: Well, deterrence is a function of what happens in the aftermath. And unfortunately, in the last... 24 to 36 hours. We've seen a couple of strikes against U.S. bases in Iraq and in Syria in the aftermath of a fairly extensive airstrike against uh, an area we know used by Al-Quds, which is a Iranian, a part of the Iranian military or Iranian Revolutionary Guards, uh, as well as Shiite militia groups that are conducting operations in, Sh- in Syria uh, and, and Iraq. So the question is, That's sufficient. At the short term right now, it does not appear so. But the same token, the U.S. is beefing up its military forces in the region. USS Eisenhower just entered the Mediterranean Sea, and many people thought initially it would be going offshore of Israel. I actually think it'll probably transit the, the Suez Canal, go down through the Red Sea, and be on station off the Persian Gulf. First time we've had a carrier in the Gulf for quite some period of time. Just to send a clear message to the Iranians, if you keep doing this, We're going to keep pounding those particular militia groups uh, in Iraq and in Syria that are conducting these operations. And obviously, you do not want this conflict to expand.
3: Dr. Jeff McCauslin, CBS News military consultant. Final question for me, Jeff, uh, getting back to the situation in Gaza, is if everything went, uh, you know, as, as good as somebody could conceive of for the Israeli forces, uh, how long a timetable are we looking at for them to just connect the battle operations, sure. never mind rebuilding and trying to form some new reality that's not patently dangerous?
4: Well, history's imperfect, but it's the only metaphor we got. The Battle of Fallujah took six weeks. That was a tiny fraction of the size of the Gaza Strip, maybe one-tenth the size of the Gaza Strip. Uh, the Battle of Mosul, where we took that back from ISIS. Iraqi forces took nine months to root out three to 5,000 ISIS fighters from Mosul, and Hamas has probably six to eight times that many fighters, and they lost 8,500 killed in action, They, the Iraqis, in that effort. Nobody at this day knows how many civilians were killed. Now the Iraq, the Israelis are a far superior military force to the uh, to the Iraqis, but the scale of this operation is just enormous. So to answer your question, we're talking, I think, weeks if not months of operations, intense fighting, very heavy uh, casualties on both sides, until in fact. Any threat posed by Hamas is eliminated.
2: Well, just we we're going to let you go, but do you think there are going to be tens of thousands of Palestinians killed in this operation?
4: There already have been, there already have been over 8,000 killed since this war began two weeks ago, 20,000 and injured. Uh, and obviously, the fighting is going to get more intense as you go through the streets of, of uh, the Gaza Strip. Israelis have called for two hospitals to be evacuated that are in Gaza City. That's virtually impossible. And around one of those hospitals alone, there are up to 60,000 people uh, seeking refuge. And as you pointed out, very likely in that building is a command and control network for Hamas. Jeff
3: McCausland, Jeff, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it.
4: Take care.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
1: Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast,